This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. So thankful for all these little little sweet kids. Ah, it's going to be a great day. I cannot wait to get into the word with you as we continue our series School of the Spirit, but before we get into the message, I want to make a special announcement for the ladies in the room. Love His, our uh, biggest women's event of the year is coming up. It is coming up on February 10th. That's a Friday, yes. It's gonna be awesome right here at New Song. And I'm really excited because this year we have um, a guest speaker with us. Her name is Lindy Kofer, and uh, she is a, a singer. She's a songwriter. She's a worship leader. You probably know her from Circuit Riders. But most importantly, she's just passionately in love with Jesus. And it's all over her and it's contagious. And I can't wait for her to come and impart into us. So we have a special word. We have New Song Worship. It's gonna be extended. Worship and Pastor David, we were talking the other day. He's like, what's the theme? I'm like, it's just Jesus, just like a Jesus loving fest. And it's going to be so sweet and powerful. So invite your friends. We're gonna have an after party um, after the service with a silent disco and empire pizza and things for the introverts too. So if you're like, yeah, I am not dancing, um, then, then we got you. There's going to be stuff for you to do out in the lobby, special treats, um, but just really a time for you to connect with some other ladies in the church. This is a great event to invite people um, that maybe you've been looking for, like, I want to invite them. They would never come on a Sunday. Invite them to this. And I'll just say this event always sells out. So make sure that you get your ticket um, while you can. They are 20 bucks. And for students, they're $15. We also have a, um, a Love His bundle this year that we've never done before where you can get this uh, crew neck that says, Come Holy Spirit, some socks, a water bottle, a cute little tote bag, and some fun stickers. And then your ticket's included in that. That's $65. So you'll see that as you go to register. You can register and buy a bundle or just get a ticket. Whatever the case, just do it before it sells out. You can get it at newsongpeople.com slash events. Sound good? All right. Week three, get your being transformed journals out. And let me just remind you, we are about to enter the very last week of the fast of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I just want to encourage you, church, to finish strong, to keep pressing in. In fact, I want to invite you, if you have yet to make it to a midday prayer, there's one more week left where we're going to be praying Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 12 o'clock, 12 to 12.40. And I want to encourage you to be there. Even if you're like, you know what? No, prayer's not really my thing. It is your thing. You just don't know it yet. So come to prayer and press in with us. Uh, Keep fasting. Keep doing the shred. Finish strong. I I, I know, I I, I sense there's been some opposition and, and some struggles. And this week, you're just like, this isn't working. Like, I'm going all in and I'm not seeing the things that I want to see take place. There's, there's stuff happening that you can't see. There's stuff happening behind the scenes. Just keep circling the wall. Just keep circling the wall. It will fall. You will see breakthrough. I'm telling you, God is on the move. Amen? Amen. All right. Yeah. All right. Week three, School of Spirit. Um, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church 
in East Tulsa. Any AG people in the room? Okay. All right. So I grew up very aware, very like hyper aware of the Holy Spirit. So like I'm talking in tongues, praying in tongues when I'm like eight, nine years old. Um, Falling under the power at at the altar. Um, At at my church growing up, you know how we have greeters here? Like you can sign up to be a greeter and hold the door open for people when they get here. At my church growing up, you could sign up to be a catcher. Anybody know what a catcher was? (laughs) Catcher is like the guys, a couple of guys at the altar that, that... they're there just in case the Spirit of God hits and you fall backwards and they don't want you to like unconscious. And so they gently lay you down. And then they were armed with these black towels and they'd whip their towels out and they'd cover them over the ladies. Because back then that's where, when ladies wore dresses to church like every Sunday. Thank God that's not a thing anymore. And dresses, dresses and pantyhose. And um, like I'll never forget, like once a month, my mom's having to stop by warehouse market and be like, hold on guys, I gotta run in here. I gotta get a, a box of pantyhose because the ones that I was planning on wearing to church today, they, they had a huge run in them. So this is AG kid church life right here. Um, and I loved it. Like I never thought that people falling under the power was weird. I wanted a prayer language. Like I was like, what? I want what they're doing. I wanna be able to pray in tongues. Um, I... Uh, I was like fascinated by all things charismatic, like the revival weeks um, at church when this normally like super stoic guy named James, he was in the college ministry, usually very serious, but on revival weeks, the spirit of the Lord would hit this guy and he would just run around the room and he would do tumbling passes sometimes. And like, you'd be like, he's got a really good back tuck. Like I was, I was, I was fascinated as a kid, like more of this, like kids class is boring. Like I want to be in here. I want to, I want to be seeing what, what's happening in here. Um, and I, uh, I, I, I never thought it was weird. I was, I, but I also didn't fully understand that the Holy Spirit was, was more than falling, was more than flipping, was more than tongues. And, and, and while I, I, I look back and I wonder like, how much of that was manufactured? Like, was I really falling under the spirit? I don't know, but, but here's what I do know. I was a pure hearted little kid and I just wanted to be where he was, to be where God was and to be a part of what he seemed to be doing. So if that looked like laying undignified on this maroon carpet <laughs> next to some other people who were laying undignified before the Lord on some, mar- some maroon carpet, I was there for it. Like I was all in. Like this is some of that for me. I think when I talk about returning to my first love, it was, it was there, like abandoned, like a, just a child, just full of awe and wonder. And what are you going to do? And I want to be a part of it. And I don't care what it looks like. Like I want to be like David, like not embarrassed to dance. David's dancing before the Lord in his priestly underwear instead of like the royal garment that a king was supposed to be wearing. So, so, so I, I was never afraid, but I also didn't fully understand. Um, and then we switched churches when I was 12. And uh, although my new church, our new church was spirit-filled, charismatic, they weren't quite as charismatic as my old church. Like nobody was falling, nobody was running, nobody was flipping. And so, so I started to kind of get cynical and I started to kind of like think that was weird. Like what they were doing back there was. Now hear me, some of it was, some of it was for show, but, but, Looking back, 
I think most of it was just people wanting to, to be where God was and be a part of what he was doing. But, but nevertheless, I grew cynical and I kind of distanced myself from the Holy Spirit until I was 20. And when I was 20, I realized I missed the Holy Spirit. I missed his power and I missed his presence. And this is in, in the time when the church was going super seeker friendly hide the Holy Spirit in the, in the back room. I needed, I missed the Holy Spirit. I was broken and I was lost and I was confused. I was like Pastor Josh talked about trying to read a, a sundial by moonlight. And I called out to the Holy Spirit and he baptized me with his power. His presence came, filled the room, filled me with hope. And I was just thinking this week, I'm so thankful for the grace of God. That, that even, even though I was eight or nine and didn't fully understand the Holy Spirit, when I was hungry, he saw that little nine-year-old hungry heart, that 10-year-old hungry heart. Oh, I see that little hungry heart down there. She's hungry for my spirit. Here you go. Receive the promise of the Father. And then again, when I was 20, after I had been cynical and distanced myself, he wasn't like, uh-uh-uh. You had your chance, but you had to get all cynical. You had to get all independent. No, he was like, I see that little 20-year-old hungry heart that's hungry for my spirit. So here, receive the promise of the Father. You can have all of it that you want without limit. Here is my spirit, the promise of the Father. That's what I wanna talk to you about today, the promise of the Father. If you're taking notes, subtitle, baptism with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1-4 says, and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded the disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in our church, in our city. And I just pray over this word that it would run through this room unhindered to every heart that it would touch every heart, every life in this room would be impacted by the word, God, by the incorruptible word of God. I ask you to give everybody in this room fourth soil heart, any distractions that they would just be pushed aside so that we could focus in on what you wanna say and what you wanna do in this moment. Bring about change. Thank you, Lord. Help us to leave here more in love with you, more in awe of you, and more open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In December, we wrapped up um, an incredible time of Advent, a series about Advent. We went through an Advent reading plan in our Being Transformed journals where we're looking at the prophecies about Jesus coming and how those prophecies were fulfilled. We talked about how there's still prophecies that are going to be fulfilled at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Like Advent is all about focusing on Jesus who was and is and is to come. And in seasons of Advent, you, you spend lots of time soaking in Old Testament texts like Isaiah 9, 6 and 9, 7. Isaiah 9, 6 says, uh, for unto you a child is born. It's talking about Jesus. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Unto you a son is given. And then verse seven, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, Isaiah here, he is talking about a coming king and his coming kingdom, right? 
And we know because of texts like this in Isaiah and so many others in the Old Testament that this concept of the kingdom of God, that this is not a New Testament concept. Like when John the Baptist announced that the kingdom is near, when Jesus announced that the kingdom is here, uh, this isn't a new idea. Like the, the Old Testament prophets have been talking about a coming king and this coming kingdom that's going to transcend all other kingdoms. They've been talking about that for a while now. So, so when Jesus and John, they start to talk about it, uh, it's nothing new. They're just saying, hey, the time is now. It's go time. The kingdom is at hand. Now, if you're a Jew and you're walking the earth during this time when Jesus comes and he begins to inaugurate this new kingdom, when he begins to initiate his rule and his reign, and you happen to know the scriptures, you would know that a huge shift, a huge shift, like a mega change is coming in the way that people relate to God. A huge change is coming in the relationship between God and his people. This was to be a part of this new kingdom and the king arriving. Because, this is how you would know this if you knew the scriptures, because the prophets not only prophesied about a coming promised child, but the prophets also prophesied about the promised indwelling and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They prophesied about the Holy Spirit. It had been foretold that people would no longer access God solely through priests and judges and, and prophets and other go-betweens. But now a time was coming when the kingdom arrived that they could access God directly. So today, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to school. Somebody say, take me to school. Okay, it's gonna be some teaching and it's gonna be some preaching. Pastor David said it's a one-two punch, okay? So teaching, there's some preaching. So get ready, okay? We're, we're gonna look at two Old Testament prophecies and we're gonna look at how they were fulfilled in the New Testament. And then we're gonna look at how they're being fulfilled in the life of every believer who's baptized with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. This is our first prophecy. It says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Now, first glance, we're like, oh, that's really pretty. That's really poetic. But if you really look at this and you really think about some of the parts of this verse, there's a couple parts that sound pretty gruesome that sound quite painful, right? Like they're ripping out of the stony heart. Gruesome, painful. I'm gonna rip out your stony, stubborn heart. This reminds me of Bonhoeffer's line, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ says, hey, come follow me, he's calling you to come and die. Your old, stubborn, stony heart is going to get ripped out and when that happens, you're dead. But it's not such a bad thing. And here's why, because truth be told, before this, you're already dead. You're walking around dead in sin. You are dead in your sin, walking around like a zombie. And that is no way to live. So to come and die, to come and follow him, life on the altar, daily taking up your cross is 100% worth it. Now, you get your old heart ripped out, you're dead because your heart 
is ripped out. <laughs> but then God gives you a new heart. And it says that it is a tender heart. It's tender towards the things of God. It's tender towards people. It's responsive to his word. It's responsive to his voice. It's responsive to his will. You get a new heart. So this, this, is, this is an intense, bloody, supernatural surgery that's taking place. So your old stony heart is gone. Now you've been given a new heart, but you need something to set that new heart beating. You need oxygen. You need breath. You need life. You need the spirit of the living God. Look at it again, Ezekiel 26. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. I will put my spirit in you. We read this today and we're like, oh yeah, I get it. Like we give our lives to the Lord. He gives us a brand new heart and now his spirit dwells in us. And we're like, yeah, glory to God, praise God. But you have to understand in the Old Testament, like in the Old Testament days, to hear something like this would have been a complete shocker. Like this just rolls right over us but this would have been a shocker for them. Like it would have stopped them dead in their tracks because in the Old Testament, God's Holy Spirit did not dwell in people. It didn't dwell in people. He didn't dwell in people. He came upon people, important people, like judges and kings and priests and prophets. Like it hit me this week that the prophet Ezekiel writing this, he didn't even fully understood, understand what this meant because the Holy Spirit was not dwelling in Ezekiel. He just came upon Ezekiel so that he could get his message to the children of Israel, to the nation of Israel. Now there are a few exceptions in the Old Testament where we see that the Holy Spirit did come and dwell in people. Like the guy who designed the tabernacle, it says the Spirit dwells in him, which is pretty cool. Uh, but most of the time, the Holy Spirit would come upon specific people for a specific purpose and for a specific time. But now Zeke is saying the Holy Spirit is going to dwell in people. It's going to dwell in people, like regular people. This, there, there had to have been a little bit of cognitive dissonance upon hearing this, like two opposing ideas in your brain. And they, they're, they're like opposing each other. It causes a little discomfort in your brain. Like, like when Pastor Josh, when he walked out here on New Year's Day and he had a mustache <laughs> and it took us a second because we're like, no, he has a beard. He's had a beard for seven years. And, 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 and then this idea is like, no, he has a mustache. Like it causes some discomfort. <laughs> And, and it causes, like, it takes a second. <laughs> it, it takes a second, right? I'm not the only one. It, take, it, take, it took a second. <laughs> this is what's happening when, when, when the people in the Old Testament are hearing this. Because their holy God and his Holy Spirit did not dwell in people. He, he dwelt in, in the temple and not just any room. He dwelt in the most special room, the holy of holies. And, and, and the only people that could go in there were the priests. And if they weren't cleansed or purified just perfectly, they would fall over dead. 
And so now they're hearing that the Holy Spirit is going to dwell inside people. Like everyday people, God's Spirit, the Spirit that they had seen come upon their leaders like Deborah and David and give them courage and might and wisdom and revelation and counsel. That Spirit was going to be permanently placed inside people with bad breath and frizzy hair and stubbly legs and body odor. That Holy Spirit was going to dwell in us, in people. This thought didn't, didn't line up with what they knew at the time. I want you to see this today. God will put his spirit in people was a radical, radical, radical thought. And it still is today. Flip over to John 20. We're gonna see Ezekiel's words fulfilled in the New Testament. Okay, this is, this is after Jesus conquered the grave and he walks out of the borrowed tomb and Mary mistakes him for a gardener. He shows up. He comes through a locked room, comes through the walls. He's somehow in this locked room, standing before his disciples who are behind those locked doors, trembling, afraid, crushed, confused. How is he going to handle this tender moment? What is he going to say? Look at this in John 20. We have an eyewitness account. It says, suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, I want you to see this in your mind's eye, okay? As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw, when they saw, when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now John, who had just days earlier, witnessed Jesus take his final breath, is now standing in this room, the risen Savior in front of him, breathing the Holy Spirit onto him and all the other disciples. This is quite a moment. I believe that, that this is a moment of salvation for the disciples, that this is the moment of regeneration. This is the moment of new birth. This is the moment where their stony, stubborn hearts are ripped out and they get a new, tender, responsive heart and God, Jesus breathes on them gives them his spirit and they are brought to life. He puts his spirit in them just like Ezekiel prophesied. Now the disciples believed that Jesus was the Messiah before he died on the cross. They believed that, but they weren't born again yet. They had not been regenerated. Why? Because Jesus hadn't dealt with sin for all of humanity. They hadn't had this stony heart replacement surgery yet because God could not put a new heart in them and he certainly could not put his Holy Spirit and people who were not holy, who were not righteous before God. But now that Jesus had swallowed the grave and death and sin, his disciples could be counted righteous before God. And so now Peter, James, and John, and the rest, these stinky, failing fishermen could house the spirit of the living God. Like we sang today, the dove came and rested on Christ in them. Now Christ could be in 
them. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This harkens back to creation when God breathed into Adam's nostrils. And essentially a sand man, a sand castle is brought to life by the very breath of God. He breathed his spirit into Adam. This is like the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel. They're bones, just bones scattered, dry bones scattered all around. And God said to the bones, I will make breath enter you. I will make life enter you. The breath of God enters these bones and they rise up. Now they're filled with hope and a future. God's spirit, hear me. God's spirit is God's life. Zoe life. The God, kind God, quality of life. It's the very life of God. The disciples in this moment receive the very life of God. Those who were dead in sin are now made alive by his spirit. Look at this in 1 Peter 3, 18. This is really, really cool. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The just, he suffered for the unjust. That's us. That he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. It also tells us in Romans chapter six that the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And it tells us in John chapter two that Jesus himself raised himself from the dead. So we see here that the resurrection is a triune work of God. And if we want to have resurrection life right now, then we need the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again. If we want to have resurrection life right now, we need the Father, we need the Son, and we need the Holy Spirit. Paul says the same thing about the spirit bringing Christ to life in Romans 8. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he raised Christ Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is exactly what Ezekiel prophesied. Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on these born again disciples and said, receive. Receive, receive the very life of God. Begin to live the resurrection right here and right now. When he breathed on the disciples, it was like he, he, he was making life in the kingdom possible. Like now you can breathe what you need to breathe to live in the kingdom atmosphere. I'm making life in the kingdom possible for you. He sealed them with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that spirit inside of them began to cry out, Abba, Abba. Abba, constantly reminding them that they're no longer slaves, but now they are sons. Receive. When we see that Jesus is Lord, when we see, like they saw, when we behold the Lord, that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life, when we say yes to the stony heart replacement surgery, when we say yes, I will follow you, I will die daily, I will be your disciple. I will follow after you. 
When we say yes to that, He fills us with that same Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Not one kind of like it, but the same Spirit. He fills us with the same Spirit and breathe, brings life to our mortal bodies. And just like that, 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 that Spirit in the disciples calling out, Abba, 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 it's crying out in all of us today too, Abba, 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 reminding us that we are Abba's child. It makes life in the kingdom possible for us. So this moment in the locked room on the first Easter was amazing, but it wasn't the last time that Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus instructs this same group, this same crew, this same lot that he just breathed and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He instructed these same people to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father to wait for baptism, not with water, but to wait for baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit is already positionally dwelling within them, then what is this all about? Let's look at our second prophecy. Our second Old Testament prophecy is in Joel chapter two, 28 through 29. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. In what days? What is those days? Those days are when the kingdom comes and, and, and when the king comes and begins to initiate his rule and reign, when the Messiah came, when the, when the mega shift would come. So we have Ezekiel saying, God's gonna put his spirit in you. And then we have Joel saying, God's gonna pour his spirit out on you. Pastor Lee uh, Cummings, he says it like this. It was as if God was saying, I'm going to pour it out. Think about, think about the word pour for a second. Like what comes to mind when you think about poor? It's, it's, it's talking about something that's saturating, so, something that's soaking. It's a soaking, saturating rain, okay? He says, I'm going to pour my spirit out in such a way that nobody is going to escape dry. I'm not just going to pour it out on David. I'm not just going to pour it out in my temple. I'm not just going to pour it out on the whole, or I'm going to pour it out on the whole earth. It's going to be young men and old men. It's going to be men and women. It's going to be rich and poor. Everyone is included. There will be no gender differences, no economic distinctions, no age limits, all flesh. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, when someone says, women can't preach. When someone says, surely that little child in Boomtown, that six-year-old, like, oh, that's cute. He thinks he's praying in the spirit, but he can't possibly be praying in the spirit because he doesn't even know the theology about the spirit. When somebody, when somebody says, um, you know, you're 60 now, retirement age, so your dreams, the dreams that God's given to you don't really matter anymore. When, when, somebody, says, when somebody says, that, that, that person on food stamps that can barely pay the bills, God's not gonna use them. You better take them to Joel too. And you better say, I'm pretty sure that all means all. 
And that God is pouring his spirit out on all flesh, sons and daughters, young and old, men and women, rich and poor. Now, this is what John the Baptist is talking about when he said that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, this, the, 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 this, uh, what John says here, it's recorded in all four Gospels. That's important to know. This is in all four Gospels. Now, I'm going to read it in the Gospel of John because that's my favorite Gospel. And just so you know, we're about to get there in the shred. We're about to get to John, and I can't wait. I love the Gospel of John. It says, John told them, I baptize with water. But right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. I didn't know he was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Now the word baptism here in both instances, water and with the Holy Spirit. It means to submerge. It means to overwhelm. It means to saturate. It means to take something under. So what John is saying is like, hey, you know how I'm baptizing you here in the Jordan River, like taking you all the way under the river, baptizing you? I'm, I'm wanting you to see what the one who is coming is going to do to you with his spirit. He's going to overwhelm you and saturate you with the promise of the Father. Now, what did Jesus have to say about all of this? Did he come along and be like, John, actually, that's not it. No, he backed this up 100%. He said the baptism is the promise of the Father. He talked about it in Acts 1, 4 through 5. We read it earlier. I'm gonna read it again. And being assembled together with them, the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, the disciples, we know this. We just talked about it. They have been saved. They have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God positionally dwells within them. But apparently, they have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit yet. This is why Jesus instructs them to wait Wait, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for me to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, is he having to do this? Because a month ago, when he breathed the Holy Spirit on them, they only got like 40% of it. And now he's got to get the other 60% in them. No, when he breathed on them, they got the entire Holy Spirit. Just like you, when you got born again, regenerated, he breathed his Spirit into you, sealed you with the Spirit, the whole Holy Spirit. Spirit. So it's not a matter of like, you didn't get all of it. So now I'm going to give you the rest. That's not what's happening here. God's wanting to, to put a different type. Like he, he's trying to, he's trying to do something different. Now it's already in them, but he wants to put it on them. It's like, he's wanting to put his hands on them and supercharge them and plug them into power from on high. He wants to put it on them. I, I like to think about this like an electric toothbrush. Okay. So when an electric toothbrush comes off of the factory line, it's a toothbrush, right? Like it can brush teeth. And if I was to hold it up to you before I've ever plugged it in, before I've ever powered it on, and I say, what is this? You'd say, that's a toothbrush. Not half of a toothbrush, but 
that's a toothbrush. And I'd say, yes, you're right, it's a toothbrush. And it can even brush my teeth. But when I plug that thing in, and when power comes on the electric toothbrush, now there's an interactive color display. And now there is 3D teeth tracking with artificial intelligence, letting me know that I missed this tooth back here. It, it has Bluetooth connectivity. It can hook up to your cell phone. There's a smart pressure sensor letting you know like you're not putting enough pressure here and you're destroying your gums on this side because you're putting too, too much pressure on that side. Not to mention that when you turn it on, when you power it on, it just brushes your teeth a hundred times better. Like, have you ever... Your, like your toothbrush, your electric toothbrush. If you don't have one, you need to get one, by the way. <laughs> have you ever, um, like it ran out of power? And are you like traveling and it ran out of power because you haven't plugged it in in a while and you try to use it? It feels so wrong. Like I hate it. I'm like, I'll go get a regular toothbrush from downstairs because the, the electric toothbrush without power is just weird. I can't stand it. Okay, Jesus wanted his followers powered up. He wanted them powered up. This is what resurrected Jesus is talking about. Of all the things resurrected Jesus could talk about, this is what he's talking about in Luke 24, 49. He says, and behold, here he calls it the promise of the Father. I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He says, stay, wait, wait until you're clothed with power from on high. Not just any regular earthly terrestrial, terrestrial power, I'm talking about celestial power, supernatural power from on high. Now, Luke 24 also tells us that the disciples, they saw with their very own eyes, Jesus ascending into heaven. They saw him being carried on high. They saw him going to on high. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to think if I was there in that original group of disciples and I saw my risen savior, whom I'd seen the, 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 the places in his hands and his side, if I saw him ascending on high and he told me to wait because he's gonna send me power from where he's going, I would wait. I would wait decades. I would wait however long it took. I, I would know he's good for it. He's going on high. He's gonna sit down at the right hand of the Father, and he's going to send power from where he is. I would wait. And they waited, but they didn't have to wait decades. They, they waited one day, two, two, day, day, day three. I'm sure they're in their journals writing like, good day, we prayed, but still no power from on high. Day four, same, day, day five, Day six, we're waiting. Maybe it's just a really long trip. Day seven, day eight, he's got to catch up with the father, but I know he's going to send it. Day nine, they're waiting. And then day 10. The number 10 represents testing and completion. Day 10, the day of Pentecost arrived, the fulfillment of Joel 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven, from on high, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now here, they're not praying in a prayer language. They're not talking in their prayer language. Here, they're actually praying or they're, they're speaking in other 
languages, like native languages. And there's all these people there that are like, what is happening? How is that person speaking in my native tongue? How do they know this language? It says, they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? All the onlookers, what's happening? What does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, Peter, remember Peter? Who, who like a month ago was hiding behind locked doors. You remember Peter who, who not long before that is promising Jesus he won't deny him, but does it three times. Abandoned Jesus, didn't even, didn't, even, didn't even stay with John as Jesus was being crucified. That Peter, after the spirit comes on him, it says, but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and address them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. He's like, hey, listen, listen, boldness. It says, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But, he says, but this, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. So the onlookers, they can't figure out what's happening. And Peter boldly is like, hey, let me help you. Let me break it down for you. This is that. This is that, which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. It's here. The fulfillment of the prophecy is here. This is that. Now, going back to my AG church days, there was a song we used to sing called This Is That. And the adults would always get it. Like they loved that tune. And sometimes like it will just pop up like on Inside Out when they send that little triple mint gum song up to the girl's head. And like that happens to me with this song where it like pops up and it's like, this is that. And I remember as a kid, like being so confused by that song. Like, what is that? What is, what is what? Like, why are we so excited about this being that? But I now know that it was a song about the day of Pentecost. This was that. This is that. And those days are here. Those days are now. From that moment forward, it was exactly as Jesus said. His followers were clothed with power from on high. Pastor Lee He says, the believers were supernaturally endued with unearthly power, spiritual dynamite, and divine anointing, similar to Samson's incredible strength, David's power as king, Moses's ability to perform miracles, and the many other people in the Old Testament upon whom the Holy Spirit came. These New Testament believers received a special anointing that supercharged them. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak, to work signs, miracles, wonders. And as we read in Acts, you know, we're reading through the book of Acts this month, we see that God kept on pouring out his presence and he kept on pouring out his power. And those that were there at the day of Pentecost, they wanted everybody else that they encountered to be clothed with power from on high. These 12 went from fearful and weak to courageous and fruitful You cannot help but read the book of Acts 
without thinking about like, this isn't just the acts of the apostles. This is the acts of the Holy Spirit. Like acts does not exist. The church does not exist if the prophecy in Joel does not come to pass. Peter is not preaching and bringing 3,000 into the family, into the kingdom of God without being clothed with power from on high. Peter is not raising Tabitha from the dead without being clothed with power from on high. Peter is not healing a man who's been crippled from birth without being clothed with power from on high. Paul is not shaking off the bite of a deadly snake without being clothed with power from on high. Stephen is not preaching the most amazing message with his murderer staring him down and getting a standing ovation from Jesus in heaven without being clothed with power from on high. The church is not rebounding, bouncing back, continuing on when they have horrible things happen to them like James being martyred. They're not moving on from that without being clothed with power from on high. Paul and Silas are not sitting in the darkness of a jail cell being beaten within an inch of their life but praising the living God without being clothed with power from on high. Like nothing's happening in the book of Acts if some normal everyday people who have God's spirit in them are not also clothed with power that comes from on high. So what does this have to do with us now here? Like maybe you're thinking, awesome. Like, yay for the early church. Like I'm so glad they waited and I'm so glad God was faithful and that he sent the promise of the Father, that they got that, that power from on high that they needed to get the church up and running. But I don't really need power on high, from on high. Cause like I, I'm regenerated and I'm born again and the Holy Spirit dwells positionally within me and I'm good with that. Like, I don't think that my vocation, like my line of work, where I'm at in this stage of life, like I don't really need to be clothed with power from, in, from on high. I'm not in ministry. Like yay for Pentecost and I'll celebrate Pentecost. Like the Spirit lit the flame and the Church of Christ was born. That's awesome. But I don't know if this really applies to me right now but it does. Oh, but it does. Andrew Arndt writes in his book, All Flame, he says, Pentecost was not an isolated incident destined to recede into the oblivion of history, but rather was the initial combustion that set off a chain reaction that will one day engulf the cosmos in the flame of the spirit. Make no mistake. We are living in an ever intensifying Pentecost. The Lord Jesus said, when God gives the spirit, he gives without limit. Meaning that what began in Acts 2 will grow in potency until the consummation of the ages. You are living in the rush of that mighty wind, whether you know it or not. The rush of the mighty breath, the life of God. He didn't just pour his spirit out on day 10. It's not like he turned on a faucet on day 10 and then when those guys got it, he turned it back off. No, he turned it on and it's still on. He, it's being poured out without limit. And no matter what your line of work is, 
No matter what your gender, your age, your age, your economic position, you need to be clothed with power from on high. Like you need to go to the secret place. We want to tell people that here at New Song when they're struggling, you need to get to the secret place. We also need to add to that. And you need to be clothed with power from on high. Because like Pastor Josh talked about at Blocks, you are not an NPC. You are not a non-playable character. You have a destiny. Every single person in this room, under the sound of my voice, you have a God-given destiny. Romans 8 says that it is your destiny to be transformed into the image of Jesus. That's your destiny, to be like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to heal like Jesus, to continue the ministry of Jesus. Here at New Song, we're all about transformational discipleship. We're pursuing that. We are gonna practice the way of Jesus. We are gonna apprentice under Jesus so that we can learn to live our lives like Jesus would live our lives if He were us. To believe what Jesus believed, to do what Jesus did. Like, you don't sign up for an apprenticeship to just watch somebody and cheer for them as they do amazing things. You sign up for an apprenticeship, you watch them because you're trying to learn to do what they're doing. We can never fulfill our destiny. We will never, we will never be transformed into the image of Jesus without being clothed with power from on high. We can't do it in our own strength. Stay at home mamas. You need to be clothed with power from on high. To raise those little babies, to be image bearers, to train them in the way that they should go. Those kids that the world says are dispensable, but God says they're arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. You need to be clothed with power from on high to know how to sharpen that arrow, to know how to pray, to know how to intercede, to know how to listen. Students, you need to be clothed with power from on high. You wanna see your friends healed? You lay hands on your friend and see them healed? You wanna see revival in your school? You wanna step up in boldness like what Pastor Jackson has been talking to you about? You need to be clothed with power from on high. Men, you need to be clothed with power from on high so that you'll hunger and thirst for God's word so that you can lead your families. We hear all the time, I wish my husband would step up and lead my family. You can't do it in your own strength. You have to be clothed with power that comes from on high, but your family needs you. Your family needs you men to recognize demonic oppression in your home and to be able to know your authority in Christ Jesus and say, flee, leave my home in Jesus' name. To help your kids walk in freedom, to love your wife, to serve your employer, to serve your employees. You need to be clothed with power that comes from on high. If you wanna practice the way of Jesus, you have to be clothed with power from on high. The Father is right now pouring His Spirit out. This is still that. It's still being poured out. So here's a question for you. What would it look like for you to open your life more to the promise of the Father? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What would it look like for you to open your life more to that? 
You know, I think when we think about an outpouring, we think about like a saturating rain. Like a lot of times we, we, we wanna avoid getting wet, right? Like if it's pouring down rain, then we're, I'm gonna wait in my car for a second because I don't wanna get soaked. They put signs out that say like you're at an amusement park, might get wet. Why? Because a lot of people don't like to get wet. It's like an uncomfortable feeling. Like your clothes stick to you, your hair gets crazy. Like it's like a thing. You don't, you don't really wanna get wet. And, and I sense that there's people who are like, you know, I'm comfortable. And I've got my rain hat on and my slicker and my rain boots and my umbrella because I don't wanna get wet. I don't want God's spirit pouring out on me. Like what's that, what's that gonna look like? Like th- that might interrupt my life a little bit and I might be prompted to go and, and pray for that guy at work or like, I'd just rather just stay here. Like, I'm good, I'm saved and regenerated. His spirit dwells in me, but I don't know about all this outpouring stuff. Like, I'm just gonna stay here under my umbrella. The Lord said, don't be Paddington. Don't be Paddington. Be Andy Dufresne from Shawshank. When he breaks out and it's pouring and he's not trying to like avoid the rain, he's just being baptized in that rain. Think about how a kid A kid is one who loves the rain. They're the ones that aren't wearing the poncho at Splash Mountain on Disney. They wanna get soaked. The kingdom, we have to be like children to enter the kingdom. Take off the slicker, put away the umbrella. He wants to pour his spirit out on you. What would it look like to say yes? I know there's hearts in here that were like my nine-year-old heart saying, I want you. I want this. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want to be closed with power from on high. What would it look like? It looks like him saying, I see that hungry heart. I see that hungry 15-year-old heart, 30-year-old heart, 40-year-old heart. I see that hungry 80-year-old heart. I see it. Here it comes, the promise of the Father. Receive. Just receive. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to understand it all. Just receive. What would it look like? It would look like him pouring his spirit out on you. If you would stand to your feet. I'm gonna invite our altar ministry team to come forward. The Lord reminded me this week that, um, like, how do you know this? Like, how, how, how could people know that this is real? Well, well one, because it, it's in scripture, but two, just experience. Like, my own experience, I know this is real. I think back to third grade Sarah, who's clothed in her, like, Mervyn's sweatsuit but also clothed with power from on high. Going into my elementary school, bringing my little pink adventure Bible and sitting down on the curb and talking to my friends about Jesus, my Jesus, that that loved them and wanted to have a relationship with you. That's just boldness from from the spirit of God, power from on high. I, I think about myself when I was 20, dressed in like, something from Express probably, or maybe the limited. And, and, but also saying, Holy Spirit, I want you and him pouring his spirit out on me and then being dressed in power from on high so that I could go and do what I didn't think I could do. I could walk back into a marriage that was failing, that was broken, that was hanging on by a thread that I wasn't even sure if I wanted to be in anymore. But I could go back and say, I forgive. I forgive because, because of power from on high. We, we, he's gonna help us. He's gonna strengthen us. We're, we're gonna be okay. And I think about right now, me, Sarah. Sarah Newsom didn't go to college, didn't go to seminary, had no Bible training, 
didn't have a mentor teaching me like, here's how you preach, here's how you prepare a message. No, but I can preach with boldness because of power that I'm clothed in from on high. I want that for you. He wants that for you. So as we go into this song, if you've, you would say, I've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Like I've been born again, I've been regenerated, but I've never been baptized and I wanna step into that. I wanna get underneath the outpour of the Holy Spirit. I wanna be clothed with power from on high. If you see that you need that in your life, when we start singing, just come forward to the altar. If you've never been born again, if you wanna have that stony heart replacement surgery today, you're like, I need a new tender, responsive heart. I need His spirit in me. We wanna pray for you. If you need healing, whatever it is, as we open up the altars, I want you to come forward, but especially if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then if you're in this room and you're like, oh, I, I know this, I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's so good. I'm clothed with power from on high, but you want more? which should be everyone who's been baptized. We want more of you. Like we sang, all we want is more of you. Then as we sing this song, I want you to put your hands out and just make it your prayer. Just make it your prayer. More of you, all consuming fire, come and baptize us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person, every person that you want to clothe with power from on high, to lead their family, to practice the way of Jesus, to continue the ministry of Jesus, to pray for people in their workplaces, in their schools, to follow you, every person that you want to plug in, that you want to power on. I pray that you would draw them to the altar, every person that needs prayer, that, 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 that you're, you're calling to come home, that's been away from you, that's never been born again, God, that today they would come, today would be the day of salvation. I pray that people would walk out in boldness, that they would step out in boldness, that they would fight through nerves, that they, that they would fight through reservations, that they would just be obedient and say yes to what you're doing. We love you, Lord. We love you. We're thankful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, Go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.